if you ever come to the Apollo Theater, the first thing, as soon as you walk into the door, something will happen to you, to your spirit, and you know it right away. I don't know what it is, but I always tell people there are spirits in the building. You're getting really freaked out now, you know, but I feel there, there's this energy. There's this real positive energy that you feel when you enter the doors of the Apollo Theater. You know that you're safe. Everybody is smiling. They're on their best behavior. It's just a beautiful thing to see and watch and to be a part of. Hi, I'm Kelly Edwards, and this is Let's Go Together, a podcast from Travel and Leisure about the ways travel connects us and what happens when you don't let anything stop you from seeing the world. On this episode, we head to the New York City neighborhood of Harlem to visit the world-famous Apollo Theater. A beacon of Black culture, the Apollo was the launching stage for incredible artists such as Ella Fitzgerald, Billie Holiday, The Jackson Five, Marvin Gaye, among others. Nobody knows the history of the Apollo better than our guest, Mr. Apollo himself, Billy Mitchell. My name is Billy Mitchell. I am the director of tours at the world famous Apollo Theater. I am the in-house historian and some refer to me as the Apollo ambassador. Billy is a fixture at the Apollo Theater, having worked on and off as an errand boy in the late 60s before returning to work professionally as an adult in the 80s. I was born and raised in Mount Vernon, New York, and I am one of 14 children eventually that my mom had. And we were very, very poor. We were going through struggles. I was in forced to care for a number of years, and my mom was able to get some of us back. And we moved back to Mount Vernon only to be moved from our apartment because they were getting ready to condemn the building. So we moved to the South Bronx. And it was one day while living in the South Bronx, my mom asked me to go down to Harlem and borrow some money from our cousin because we needed some food. And because my mother was born in Harlem in 1923. And when I went to visit her cousin to get the money, the cousin just happened to live directly across the street from the backstage door of the Apollo Theater. But when I went to see the cousin, she wasn't home. So I had to wait. So I walked up and down the street, looking at her front door, hoping she would come home. And I finally crossed the street to where the Apollo was. And I stood there looking, hoping she would come. Then the door of the Apollo Theater opens up. And the owner at that time, Frank Schiffman, he comes out and he says, hey kid, what are you doing back here? I said, sir, I'm just waiting for my mom's cousin. She lives right across the street. He says, well, why are you waiting? Hey, you, you wanna make some money? And that question startled me because I have never been asked to make money from an adult before, so it kind of freaked me out. And he sort of looked on my face and he calmed me down. He says, I'm not gonna mess with you. I'm asking you, do you wanna make some money by running to the store for some people that are inside rehearsing for a big, big show tonight. They need someone to go get their food and their clothes pressed and their shoes shine. And if you do this, kid, they'll give you a tip. Now, I started running errands and I could not believe the amount of money these performers were giving me. I think they felt sorry for me because I was dirty, I was unkempt. I know I looked hungry, so they gave me a lot of money. And um, Mr. Shipton allowed me to come after school and on the weekends. And I did that for a number of years, whenever I needed some money. On occasion, they would let me in watch the shows because of course I had to run up to the dressing rooms and deliver their dinners and things of that nature, or deliver their clothes from the cleaners or go get their newspapers or you know whatever. So a lot of times I stood right on the side of the, uh, in the wings of the stage and watched the shows. 
Back in the 60s, people were dressing a certain way, and particularly when you came to a concert at the Apollo Theater, everybody wanted to look their best, feel their best, smell their best. Everybody would get dressed up in their finest, you know, and they knew coming to the Apollo Theater, they want to be seen as well. So everybody was dressed to the nines. So you had that type of energy in the air. And it was a period of peace and, and love. You know, everybody got along. There wasn't a lot of craziness going on as far as entertainment at that time. There were social issues, but not at the Apollo Theater. And whenever people would come to the Apollo Theater, the audience knew they were going to get and see the best entertainment that was out there. I remember being present the first night that the, um, the Jacksons performed on Amateur Night. I happened to be running errands that night. I think Michael was nine years old when I first saw the Jacksons at the Apollo Theater. They were incredible. We couldn't believe, because they were little kids, mind you. They weren't the Jacksons that we all know now. And you know, they were little boys when we saw them, but they were so talented. They won the amateur night competition. They were invited by the management to come back the following week, not as contestants for an amateur night show. They were invited back as paid guests to perform. I'll never forget those days. I've seen so many careers evolve from my time at the Apollo Theater, from rappers to gospel singers. They weren't known at one time, and now they're super famous and doing very well. And just to be blessed to have seen their origins is something that I hold on to. And I, I just wish that people would see, in my mind, what I saw. There, there was a video of all the acts and concerts and people I've met throughout these years at the Apollo Theater. It will blow you away. While working at the Apollo, Billy became friendly with many of the regular performers, some of whom began to look after the young Aaron boy. I had struck up a wonderful relationship with James Brown and whenever he performed there. And I always looked forward to seeing him and his band perform because, the, the, of course, the music. But... Uh, he would always inquire about how was I doing in school? And I, I never liked to touch that subject because I was lying to him. I always told him I was doing great when in fact I wasn't. And uh, he would sit me down and try to tell me the importance of education. And I remember one day he actually made me leave the Apollo Theater and go all the way back to the Bronx and get my report card and show it to him to prove that I was doing great like I had told him. And I wasn't. I was failing because my family had just moved from Mount Vernon to the Bronx. I wasn't familiar with this new environment. I didn't have the clothes like the other kids had. I didn't have the sneakers. I was bullied. I was laughed at. I was called stinky boy at times. And of course, my attention wasn't on education. And as a result, I was failing my subjects. And when James Brown saw the grades on my report card, he told me that I wasn't allowed to come back and run errands till my grades went up. It scared the hell out of me because I needed that money. I was helping my mother out with the rent and the food, and I thought that was coming to an end. So it prompted me to go to school and start asking the teacher for help. But at the same time, I thought the kids were going to laugh at me and call me stupid for asking questions because you know how sometimes kids can be. And I found out that a lot of the, my classmates they were interested in those questions as well. So I started asking, and then they started asking. And before you know it, we were all asking the teacher for help. 
and enforced that knowledge that I needed and I applied it to my tests. And guys, my grades went up and up and up immediately. I became a member of the honor roll in junior high school. And I graduated from high school finally. I was still running errands every now and then. I mentioned to Mr. Brown that I had finally graduated and he gave me a nice sum of money. I forget the amount, but whatever amount it was, along with the money that I had gotten from Marvin Gaye, I saved it and I enrolled in a business school in Manhattan. And I started studying um, credit and collab, want to become a credit analyst and collection manager at banks and financial institutions. And that was all because of the financing I received from James Brown and Marvin Gaye. Billy started working corporate jobs and doing financial work, such as collections and check reconciliations. But after a few years, he found himself losing motivation. I didn't like that corporate world. I didn't like that midtown hustle. I didn't like that Wall Street environment. I wanted to do something in the community and I was stuck. And then uh, my sister had mentioned to me that this guy, Percy Sutton, was reopening the Apollo Theater. And I admired Mr. Sutton because he was a former Manhattan Borough president, African-American businessman, you know, and I used to see him on the news and I loved the way he spoke because he was very articulate and regal. And I said, oh, I love that type of stuff, you know. So when she told me that he was opening up the theater, I went and applied for a job. With my financial background, they would probably hire me right away. But all the positions were taken, right? And the only position available was as an usher. And they hired me as an usher in 1985. And they made me manager of the ushers because they liked the way I spoke and the way I, I dressed. My hygiene was together. And then he offered me a position to open up a store, a gift shop, because of my, my business savvy, you know. And I started managing a store and it just took off from there. It just took off. Finally, back at the Apollo, Billy wasted no time throwing himself into his work and building his presence at the theater. I came back as an usher. They made me the manager of the ushers. I became the official Apollo greeter. Whenever there was a show, I would stand in the lobby and greet celebrities because I knew who all these people were. They liked the way I spoke. And then I started a free movies for kids program where kids from the community could see movies free. I'm an actor as well, and I started reaching out to some of my people who were connected to all these movie studios, Disney's, and they would offer us and donate us their latest movie. And we had a projector in the screen, and we would invite kids from the shelters and from the projects and from all over Harlem and the Bronx and Brooklyn, and we would invite them free of charge to see the latest movie. And I did that for about maybe eight years. And then from there, um, I became a stagehand for Showtime at the Apollo TV show. I did that for about a year. Then unfortunately, Mr. Sutton, who had opened up the theater, he had to give up the theater. His business model didn't work and he had to give up the theater and everybody on the staff was let go. Everybody, I was crushed. I remember this day going to his office and literally in tears, begging him to let me stay I said, I'll even work for half my pay. He says, Mr. Mitchell, I don't own the theater anymore. You know, he says, I'll write you a letter of reference, but I don't own the theater. And so when the new people took over, I went and applied for a job and there was no jobs available at all. And I said, oh my God, I can't get back to the Apollo. 
and I was freaking out and I was unemployed for one year. And then finally, I get a call from the Apollo Theater because in the interim, other people had asked me to help them produce shows at the Apollo. So I was there, but not as a staff member, right? So the new management saw me moving and grooving and they knew I knew everything. They said, who the hell is this guy? So um, I finally got a call from the Apollo Theater and they said they were looking for somebody to handle group sales for amateur night. And I says, uh, I'm not ready for that. And then they call back again. And I says, Billy, you're unemployed. Take the job. So I accepted the job uh, doing group sales. I became the group sales manager for Amateur Night at the Apollo. And then from there, I worked with the marketing department for a little while. And then I decided to uh, create the Apollo uh, tour. That was like in 1992 or something like that. I created the Apollo Theater tour and it absolutely took off. It took off more than people expected because it had my knowledge of the history of the theater along with my theater background. And when I gave the tour, I would sometimes sing or tell a joke or dance to paint this picture of the Apollo Theater and the artists who performed there. And it was uh, received very, very well. I got a lot of publicity over it, you know, and the Apollo got a lot of publicity over the tours. And um, then all of a sudden they, they said, well, we want you to be the ambassador. Whenever the Apollo needs somebody to speak and, you know, you can do it. We trust that with your knowledge and that you won't screw up that much. And uh, so I've had several positions at the Apollo Theater. It's been a wonderful ride. It's been an absolute wonderful ride when you consider what the theater means to not only um, African-American culture, but American culture. I've seen acts there that people normally don't expect would perform the Apollo Theater. Rock stars and, you know, heavy metal groups and country groups and gospel and jazz and R&B and hip hop. I've seen it all. I've seen every culture represented on the stage of the Apollo Theater. After the break, Billy shares what a typical day at the Apollo looks like as well as his thoughts on the Apollo's relationship with Harlem. I'm Kelly Edwards, and this is Let's Go Together from Traveling Leisure. Our guest today is Billy Mitchell, the resident historian at the Apollo Theater and director of tours. So what does a day in the life of Mr. Apollo look like? Well, my typical day before COVID, we would book the tours, me and my right hand, her name is Liz Baez. She books the tours for me, uh, for us, and sets up the schedule and, and makes the contracts with the tour groups. And so I know in advance how many groups are coming on that particular day, what time, etc. So I leave my home, I wake up in the morning. As soon as I wake up, I say my prayers, thanking the Creator for allowing me to wake up and be alive because that's not guaranteed. I don't care what anybody says. So you gotta thank the creator that he woke you up. And then I go shower and shave sometimes. I don't shave every day, but I shave sometimes. And then I drive to work. I don't take the subways or buses. Sometimes there's drama on the subways and trains in New York. Sometimes there isn't, but I choose to drive to work every day. I pay the toll and I listen to some very relaxing music to get my mind right for my day. 
And so what happens is uh, when the groups come to the Apollo Theater, I greet them in the lobby, and then we take them on their tours, and then I will suggest restaurants and neighborhoods where they can go have a meal and things like that. We're scheduled to do three tours a day. Now, it doesn't mean that groups book them. They're, they're scheduled for 11 a.m., 1 p.m., and 3 p.m. Sometimes we'll have a group at 11, 1, and 3. Sometimes there'll be just one group at 3 or one group at 1 and another group at 3. So it depends on the booking. I even come in on Saturday and Sunday. If anyone wants to do a tour, I make myself available. I'm like on call 24 hours, basically. But it's not work to me. You know what I mean? It's fun. I like the stage, you know, in theater and stuff like that. I like the stage, so it becomes very easy for me to talk to groups, you know, of a couple of hundred of the tourists. You know, when I'm taking them around the theater and showing them the dressing rooms and having them up on stage and pretending we're on amateur night, I enjoy that stuff. I enjoy people taking pictures with them on the stage, the Apollo Theater, people rubbing the tree of hope for good luck, explaining what that's all about. I enjoy all that stuff. That's part of my tour day. Then I may get a call from marketing where they'll say, Billy, we need you to do an interview or our development department saying, Billy, we have this prospective donor that we're trying to, you know, to get some little bit of cash from. Could you give them a tour of the theater? I take these prospective donors around and I share with them. I don't intellectualize everything. I'm very real. And they appreciate that because sometimes you can be so intellectualized that people get turned off by that. You know, you want to drop all these big words and they want something real. And, and I think the Apollo asked me because they know it's coming from my heart. I know the theater. I know we need funding because we are a not-for-profit foundation. So when I express this to these donors, they are more apt to help us out because I'm not somebody that's lobbying for the Apollo. I've been there 50 some odd years. I know without the support of our donors and things like that, we won't exist. So I let them know that from the heart, we need you, we need you, we need you, and help us out to continue to do what we do. Until you come to the Apollo Theater physically, you really don't have a clue about what we do. When you come there, you'll say, my God, this is what they've been doing all these years? I had no idea. So I invite the listeners to please come to the Apollo Theater. Let me take you on a tour. Let's get up on the stage and sing a song together. You know, I got sunshine too, on a cloudy day. We sing one of my temptation songs because I love those guys. I've been told, and I'm sure it's true, I never give the tour the same way. There's no script. Wherever my spirit takes me, whatever I remember at that time, I say, and I've heard from the staff, man, Billy, I didn't, I never heard you say that before. Or Billy, I never, because some things just pop up. It depends on the tour group. There are some people that are there for, they really want to learn the facts. And then there's some young kids there that really want to turn up and have a good time. But I also want to make sure when they leave that they are educated on certain facts. I like telling that, uh, the Jackson story, because everybody knew how big Michael Jackson became, but to see him when he was like nine years old, James Brown, particularly when I do tours with students, whether they're college kids or elementary, junior high, whatever, I like to tell them the importance of education and how it helped me. And also that it's okay to 
speak as they say proper. It's okay to say, I don't know, instead of, I don't know. It's okay to say that instead of that. You're not corny. Because people used to tease me, you know, because, you know, I always spoke, as they say, proper, right? When actually I was speaking English. The deal is I like to let people know that education is so important and that when they leave there to keep on striving, you're going to go through some ups, you're going to go through some downs. I like telling that story of people empowering themselves and how important education is. Because now I make a living because of the way I speak. You know what I mean? When I was a kid, people would tease me. Over the years, the Apollo has been a major contributor to making Harlem an epicenter for Black popular culture. Not only was it the launchpad for many legends, but it was also a space where Black artists could proudly advocate for what they believed in. Billy reflects on the Apollo's relationship with activism. That's always been the Apollo's role. We are advocates for social justice. We've always been that way. Even going back to some of the performances, there was a song back in 19, I think it was 1934, whatever years. It might have been 1934. It was a protest song that Billie Holiday sang called Strange Fruit. It was a protest song. Nobody wanted her to sing that song anywhere because it was, how dare you talk about the lynching of black people hanging from a poplar tree, you know, by racist whites, blah, blah, blah. And... They wouldn't allow her to sing at certain places. She sang it at the Apollo Theater for the first time. My point is that the Apollo Theater has also been a place that in the arts, arts and activism, they're the same. They coincide. Example, Nina Simone was in the arts, but she was always protest songs or songs about social issues. James Brown, Say It Loud, I'm Black and I'm Proud. These are things that are done at the Apollo Theater. The play and movie called Between the World and Me by Ta-Nehisi Coates, which talks about social issues that we're facing right now, law enforcement brutality and things of that nature. These issues are always addressed at the Apollo Theater. And I think it's a place where people look for leadership in a lot of ways. People get there to express themselves in a safe place where your dignity is intact. And the Apollo Theater offers that, man. It's just a... a remarkable place. Even if I had not worked there all these years or been a part of it, I would always look at the Apollo Theater as the leader. We consider ourselves the leader in the arts, in the world. The Apollo Theater is a place that people come not only for entertainment, it's also a place where people come to dialogue. We have town hall meetings. It's a place where people come to mourn when some of our icons have transitioned, you know, It's a place where people come to be educated and to share each other's culture. You know, it's not just an entertainment venue. It's the beacon of Harlem. The Apollo is truly an important place that Billy is proud to represent. If you ever come to the Apollo Theater, the first thing, as soon as you walk into the door, something will happen to you, to your spirit, and you know it right away. I don't know what it is. But I always tell people there are spirits in the building. You're getting really freaked out now, you know. But I feel there, there's this energy. There's this real positive energy that you feel when you enter the doors of the Apollo Theater. You know that you're safe. Everybody is smiling. They're on their best behavior. It's just a beautiful thing to see and watch and to be a part of. So I, I invite you and all the listeners, if you're ever in New York, 
I want you to come to Harlem. And when you come to Harlem, I want you to come to 125th Street to the world-famous Apollo Theater, a building that was built in 1914 as a segregated burlesque house. And here now in 2021, it has become the epic center of not only African-American culture, but of American culture. You will learn a lot at the Apollo Theater. You'll hear some great entertainment. You'll see the best artists on the planet. And you will get nothing but love when you come to Apollo Theater. And I'll give you a private tour. We do tours every day. So I urge you, whenever you come to Harlem, and uh, particularly now the weather's changing, come to the Apollo Theater and say hello to your guy, Billy Mr. Apollo Mitchell. Thank you so much. That's all for this episode of Let's Go Together, a podcast by Travel and Leisure. I'm your host, Kelly Edwards. Our guest today was Billy Mitchell from the Apollo Theater. Follow Billy on Instagram at Mr. Billy Mitchell and learn more about the Apollo Theater at www.apollotheaters.org. Thanks to our production team at Pod People, Rachel King, Matt Sav, Danielle Roth, Lena Beck-Sillison, and Marvin Yu. This show was recorded in Los Angeles, edited in New York City, and can be found wherever you get your podcasts. You can find out more at travelandleisure.com slash podcast. You can find Travel and Leisure on Instagram at Travel and Leisure, on Twitter at Travel Leisure, on TikTok at Travel and Leisure Matt. And you can find me at Kelly Set Go.